for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. The host of one of America's fastest growing podcasts. Thank you very much. It's Friday, baby. And we have got a loaded show today. We do. I wanted to get my vocals in here. Yeah, it's actually a jingle. The News Mac Daily. Anyway, we are on all sorts of digital platforms. If you'd like to know exactly where we are, just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts, and you can see it right there, okay? Uh, and then also, uh, just go to NewsmaxTV.com for details on the programming schedule, including my show, which is called Rob Carson's What in the World. It runs uh, Saturday nights at 9 Eastern time and Sunday afternoons at 2 Eastern. It is a uh, political commentary and comedy show. Very rapid fire, very funny, uh, and uh, I think you'll like it. So check that out, and then, of course, download the Newsmax app. Let's get started, shall we? Let's get started. President Biden's administration has come up with a uh, climate plan. They had a big Zoom call with uh, world leaders, uh, so most of them very despicable human beings who run uh, regimes that are uh, criminal. A good share of them, anyway. And so Joe Biden wants to do a, uh, a new climate plan. Some of the things that it would do, it would make you, uh, it cuts you down to eating one burger a month, would cost the average family $3,500 a year in, uh, in taxes. That's, oh, that's per person. Sorry about that. Force you to spend $55,000 on an electric car and crush American jobs. This, according to the UK Daily Mail. The UK Daily Mail is a, uh, a liberal paper. And I love it, by the way. It's like Christmas every day in the UK Daily Mail. You got to cut red meat consumption by 90%, animal products by 50%. This is, by the way, it's, this is all this is a political movement. This is to make you vegan, you know. Gradually making those changes by 2030 could see diet-related greenhouse gases reduced by 50%, according to the uh, Michigan University Study for Sustainable Systems. Well, that's a worthless degree. Uh, you're going to have to get to an electric car, 65% of new cars and SUV sales. And 10% of new truck sales would need to be electric. Currently, electric cars make up 2% of new passenger vehicles. And you know where I get my electricity? From a coal-fired plant just south of town. So it's really stupid to get an electric car because it's a wash as far as greenhouse gas emissions. 25% of homes would need to be heated by electricity rather than by natural gas or oil to help reach Biden's emissions goal by 2030. My house is heated with natural gas. Thank you very much. And it's clean burning. The average cost to install an electric heat pump, which uh, in uh, an all-in-one heating and cooling unit, is about $6,000, by the way. Industry leaders say Biden's climate plan, while there are no cost specifics yet, could end up costing American taxpayers trillions of dollars. And by the way, the price of gasoline would go through the ceiling. I was paying around $1.99 in January for uh, 89 octane or 87 octane gas, and now it's at $2.99. It's at $3. It's gone up, uh, what, 50%. It's gone at 50%. Since Joe Biden took office, here is the and again, of course, he's barely uh, barely comprehensible. Uh, here he is talking about how this uh, this climate plan, which is a joke, by the way. And I'm just going to say real quick here: we need to fight this with everything, with every ounce of our being. We need to fight this nonsense in Washington D.C. that nobody ever voted for. Nobody voted for packing the Supreme Court. Nobody voted for D.C. becoming a state, which is the most cynical way to include a state in the United States is just to get two more liberal senators. Honestly, 
to wreck the Constitution like this. Unbelievable. To get rid of the filibuster. Nobody voted for this nonsense. Nobody voted for it. And by the way, there's a big recount of uh, ballots in Maricopa County in Arizona going on all day today. And there are five Democrats fighting it. They don't want to see the machines analyzed, and they don't want to see the ballots counted. Why? Why Why are Democrats, if this is the cleanest election in the history of America, which is, it is. Oh, and by the way, they also want to pass H.R. 1, which would federalize all the elections and make sure that Democrats are in office in perpetuity, and they always win the presidency. Oh, and then also, let's, let's talk about the open border thing, too. That's another way to upset the uh, balance of power, create a permanent underclass that votes Democrat. So all of that stuff is going on. All of it wasn't voted for, and we certainly didn't vote for this climate change nonsense when the United States is a postage stamp on a a billiard table uh, versus the rest of the world. The rest of the world will be able to continue to wreck the planet while we actually are beating the Paris Climate Change Accords that we pulled out of. We're beating the standards set by that already. But Joe Biden wants to kill the country. The Democrats want to kill America, whether that be economically and certainly constitutionally. Here's our beloved president. The signs are unmistakable. The science is undeniable. Yeah, I mean, you are stammering a lot. You, you look confused. I'd say, oh, no, th- no, not those signs. Never mind. You're talking about climate change. But the cost of inaction is, keeps mounting. The United States isn't waiting. We are resolving to take action. We're going to take that, that Russian roulette gun, and we're going to put it to our temple first. The United States sets out on the road to cut a greenhouse gases in half, in half by the end of this decade. Which other world leaders are going, you're kidding me. You're actually handing us your economy. That is fantastic. That's where we're headed as a nation. And, of course, he's promising lots of jobs. Even though every time Democrats promise lots of jobs because of infrastructure and whatnot, it never happens. And that's what we can do if we take action to build an economy that's not only more prosperous, but healthier, fairer. And cleaner. Again, it's always promised, but it always fails. It's always a lie. For the entire planet. You know, these steps will set America on a path of net zero emissions economy by... There he's starting to slur his words a little there. No later than 2050. I wish you'd stop emitting so much gas, to be quite honest. We know just how critically important that is. Yeah, sure. Because scientists tell us... Yes. ...that this is the decisive decade. Hold on a second. Uh, hold on. Oddly enough, the uh, oxygen and CO2 level is enough to keep me uh, completely healthy and uh, not bother me one little bit. This is a decade. It hasn't changed. We must make decisions that will avoid the worst consequences of the climate crisis. We must try to keep the Earth's temperature and, uh, to an increase of to 1.5 degrees Celsius. Wow. I mean, wow. How, what an authority. What an authority. Oh, by the way, uh, I think it was Al Gore in 1991. I remember him debating Rush Limbaugh on television. Al Gore said we had 10 years uh, before it was irreversible. Everything was irreversible. That has been uh, said for decades by leftists. We have 10 years to turn things around. We have five years. Now we have 11 years before it's irreversible. It's always a gigantic lie. Here is uh, Greta Thunberg, who is a, uh, now an 18-year-old spoiled brat with a myriad of mental health issues. Uh, she's got OCD, by the way, suffers from Asperger's, which, you know, Asperger's, a lot of kids do, you know, um, uh, selective mutism. Uh, it could go on and on and on. Um, she's 18 years old. She has very little life experience on the planet. Two years ago, mommy and daddy bought her a $3 million sailing yacht so she could uh, cross the ocean with a caravan of boats around her. And then fly back 
on a private jet while the uh, the boat was towed back. And she's telling everybody uh, what, she, what she's doing here. She's she's doing threatening. She's threatening. She's saying, "My advice for you is to choose wisely." Um, you're a you're a child. You're a little child. So here's a little bit of a uh, Greta Thunberg, the spoiled brat from overseas. Do this. Well, you're going to have to start explaining to your children and the most affected people why you are surrendering on the one. Don't speak to me like I am a child, you little child. 1.5 degree target. Given up without even trying. You know, I don't need you to chastise me. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a corporal punishment guy. I, not, I didn't spank my kids. This kid seriously needed it. Well... What I'm here to say is that, unlike you, my generation will not give up without a fight. Oh, you're a victim, right? You're a victim, you and your generation. And to be honest, I don't believe for a second that you will actually do this. The climate crisis doesn't exist in the public debate today. And since it doesn't really exist... Yeah, because the left doesn't want to debate it because they're wrong. And the general level of awareness is so absurdly low... You Here she is, he's talking to you like you're the child. Unbelievable. We'll still get away with continuing to contribute to the destruction of present and future living conditions. You know, I just go to college, uh, do something, get some life experience under your belt, and shut your mouth. Honestly, I, and I, no, I'm not going to apologize. Shut your mouth. All right? You're a child, okay? I have been on the planet for a number of years, and I'm pretty darn smart. And uh, nonsense. Absolutely nonsense. Her parents failed her. How's that sound? Oh, by the way, the White House considering raising uh, capital gains tax to 44%. Okay? Now, this is for only uh, people who make over a million dollars a year. So if you're saving up for retirement, government's about ready to take 40% of it. Now, former President Trump reduced the corporate income tax from 35% to 21. Uh, Biden has said that 35 is too high, but 28 is just fine. They're going on a tax increase binge, guys. They want to go to uh, the uh, top income tax bracket to 39, almost 40% from 37. Capital gains from 20 to 39. Corporate income tax from 21 to 28%. What will all of this do? I think, you know, drive business overseas like it did during the Obama administration. Manufacturing finally started to come back under the Trump administration, but they're going to screw it up. By the way, the stock market tanked after Biden announced massive tax increases on the wealthy. Dropped 300 points in a matter of minutes when he made that announcement. Isn't that nice to know? Isn't that nice to know? So yesterday, the House of Representatives voted to uh, make Washington, D.C. a state. And uh, it is nothing more than a very, very cynical, awful, unconstitutional power grab. It is honestly as sickening as it gets in the Democrat Party. There's a reason why there are 5,000 troops still in Washington, D.C. There, there really is. They are afraid of you and me, and they want to push through this agenda that nobody voted for, so you can't say anything about it. That's what it's about. All of the things that I just mentioned that they're going to do to try to upset the balance of power, and by the way, no country can do this to its people, particularly a country that's had 240 years of freedom, all right, and, and being the freest country in the history of the world and being the greatest engine of economic and individual freedom in the history of mankind. This will not stand. This is not China. This is not North Korea. Anyway, they voted to make the 51st state uh, Washington, D.C., and there's a, uh, apparently a, uh, a Democrat 
and he decided to make it all sorts of racy. Listen to this. Mondaire Jones is his name, sparked fury by calling Republican arguments against it racist trash. This is where things got heated because we're tired of being called racist. Gentleman from New York is recognized for one minute. It's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. Mr. Speaker, I have had enough of my colleagues' racist insinuations that somehow the people of Washington, D.C. are incapable or even unworthy of our democracy. Wait a minute. You said that black people in uh, Atlanta and in the state of Georgia are so incompetent they can't get IDs. One Senate Republican said that D.C. wouldn't be a, quote, well-rounded working class state. I had no idea there were so many syllables in the word white. Wow. <laughs> wow. One of my House Republican colleagues said that D.C. shouldn't be a state because the district doesn't have a landfill. <laughs> my goodness. With all the Oh, it should have a landfill. But you see, it doesn't need it because the entire place is a sewer. Racist trash my colleagues have brought to this debate. Oh, I can see why they said that D.C. shouldn't be a state because the district doesn't have a landfill. My goodness, with all the racist trash my colleagues have brought to this debate, I can see why they're worried about having a place to put it. The truth is there... These are some of the other members saying this is absolute nonsense, and it is. It's actually beneath Congress. It's beneath everything. There is no good faith argument for disenfranchising over 700,000 people, Mr. Speaker, most of whom are people of color. It's making this into race. Unbelievable. Here, here's what it is, guys. 2020, Joe Biden got 92% of the vote in D.C. 2016, Hillary Clinton got 90%. 2012, Barack Obama got 90%. 2008, Barack Obama got 92%. 2004, John Kerry got 89%. This is all about a paragraph and how dare you use racism to say that Republicans are racist, that they hate black people. Honestly, it is thoroughly, thoroughly disgusting point of order please moving to take the word the gentleman's words down and they should be you cannot call half the members of this assembly racist because they disagree with you I wouldn't pass was that I wouldn't pass the gentleman's time was not time me Mr. Speaker, point of order. Not timely. The gentleman from New York Mr. will Speaker, proceed. The rules say make the point of order when the words Can't hear all of that. He has to be recognized, Mr. Speaker. We understand parliamentary procedure. The debate has proceeded and the ban was not timely. The gentleman from New York is recognized. The truth is, there is no good faith argument for disenfranchising. Mondaire Jones, you will not go down in history as anything but a one-term congressman. And goodbye. Goodbye! Honestly, I, 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 I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of being called a racist. I, you know, uh, I really am. Um, I'm tired of being uh, called white supremacist. I guess white supremacist now, uh, privileged. First racist, and then... Then privileged and now white supremacist is what it is. So, you know, it just keeps getting back. What is going to be next? I mean, honestly, what, what is going to be next on this? Uh, it, you know, the, the Donald Trump was called a Nazi. Uh, Trump supporters were called Nazis. Um, it, it's, it's just, honestly, I'm, I'm just done. Are you done? I'm, I'm done. I don't care if you're black, white, purple, green, whatever. 
I think you're all done. I think my neighbors of color are done. This is absolutely nonsense, and I'm sick and tired of the argument and the and the uh, the title of racist or white supremacist used as a cudgel to either force legislation that the people don't want or shut you up. All right, let's move on. Micaiah Bryant, she's a 16-year-old Columbus girl who was attempting to stab to death another one of her, uh, I guess, housemates. She's in foster care. She was shot by a police officer. We've all seen the video. Her military vet neighbor says his security camera footage proves the Columbus cop had no choice but to shoot her. Second neighbor says a knife-wielding 16-year-old was in full attack mode and the other girl's life was at stake. Donovan Brinson is the neighbor, handed the footage over to police after viewing what he believes. Uh, he believes more people could have died if the cop hadn't shot her. Another neighbor said he believes the police body cam shows Bryant was in full attack mode and needed to be stopped as a young lady's life was at stake. Also, the young lady who was going to be stabbed, she says the same thing. Here's a little bit of the 911 call that got people to the house. And by the way, a black person called the police for help. 911, where is your emergency? Is there an apartment number letter? What's going on? Out of control. The, um, the Ma'am, you need to talk to me. We got these okay. grown girls over here trying to fight us, trying to stab us, trying to put our hands on our grandma. Get here now. Have you seen any weapons? Trying to stab us, uh, trying to get their hands on grandma. Get here now. Listen to the out-of-control shrill shrieking. Ma'am, do you see any weapons? We need a, we need a police officer here now. We need a police officer here now. Now, Joy Reid would say that uh, you should send over maybe a counselor or no police at all. The police officer saved a girl's life. The night before in Cincinnati, a 13-year-old girl slit another 13-year-old girl's neck. Again, here we go. Another generation. Inner city black community. The murder rate is through the ceiling. Fatherless homes are through the ceiling. By the way, both of the kids, the 16-year-old Micaiah and the 13-year-old girl, both in foster care from broken families. Following the shooting death of 13-year-old Adam Toledo, it's not Toledo, it's Toledo, in Chicago, when he had a gun and he had gun residue on his hand, he's out in the morning at 2 o'clock, 13-year-old Latin Kings gang member had their brand on his person, had a gun on him, had been shooting the gun. Police officer arrived. He had the gun in his hand. He was shot to death. But, of course, Lori Lightfoot is blaming the police. The mayor of Chicago, who is honestly, wow, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Uh, she has decided that they are going to uh, require police officers to get permission, permission to do foot chases when you're going after a suspect. Listen to this. The Adam Toledo case prompted a personal injury lawyer in Pilsen today to call for reform. This is a a personal injury lawyer. Okay. Tragedy that could have and should have been prevented had the police department had clear procedures 
governing the use of lethal force against... Oh, yeah, when somebody has a gun in their hand and they've been firing the gun, uh, you know, and the police officer goes, the gun is in the hand, you're going to get shot. Children during foot chases. Rewriting police policy on... When you, when you have a gun in your hand, then you reach behind yourself rather than just put your hands up in the air, you're going to get shot. All foot chases is a hot topic at City Hall. Alderman Brian Hopkins says the mayor's office told him officers could soon be re required before undertaking a foot chase to do what they're now required before a vehicle chase get permission from higher ups of course that raises <laughs> obvious problems nobody's answering nobody's answering the guy's running he just shot somebody nobody's answering uh, in the time that it would take to do that the person you're supposed to be chasing is actually hello yeah hey listen i need to permit never mind he's gone actually long gone and uh, you know the the point would be moot then uh, we're seeing more vehicles flee from police officers because word has gotten out um, that they're probably not going to get permission to chase you. The wow. mayor acknowledged that dilemma <laughs> yesterday. I don't want um, people out there who are dangerous to think, well, if I just run, then I'm safe and I can continue to wreak havoc. We can't live in that world either. Alderman Hopkins says it's past time to rewrite Chicago's currently vague rules. Um, I'm sure the police officers themselves would agree with me. The more guidance we can give them, the more comfortable they'll feel when they have to make these high stakes decisions in the blink of an eye. The mayor is promising to produce new foot chase rules, quote, soon. Soon. Okay. All right. By the way, a Twitter from the uh, post of the official Black Lives Matter account alleged that black communities are being terrorized at a greater rate than they were under former President Donald Trump. In a post Tuesday... BLM alleged that black communities were better off under Trump than they were under President Biden. The Post demanded that Joe Biden end the 1033 program, which allows the Department of Defense to offer excess equipment to local police authorities by the end of his first 100 days in office. Another thing that the left wants to do is to disarm the police. Military-style weapons and equipment have no place on our streets. They have no place in our communities and have no place in our schools or on our campuses. Yes, they do when you're trying to burn down Portland or when you're trying to burn down, and successfully, by the way, burn down Minneapolis to the tune of $550 million. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, this is funny. BLM also criticized Nancy Pelosi after she thanked George uh, Floyd for sacrificing himself. She made George Floyd into a, into a Christ-like figure. I mean, really, this is like, this, this is like, she's trying to make him into Jesus. All right, listen, listen, she's trying to, to like, George Floyd died for our sins. This is just unreal. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. How, how heartbreaking was that? Oh, there she is. She's got her hand on her chest because this is how Democrats, they like to bloviate and try to relate and, 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 and make it as impactful as possible uh, and just throw in anything there to pull the heartstrings. Call out for your mom. I can't breathe. But because of you and because of thousands, millions of people around the world who came out for justice, your name will always be synonymous with justice. Yeah, the officer would have been convicted regardless of whether there were riots and, and murders. There were uh, about 30 murders, uh, thousands of police officers injured, blinded. Uh, we had all sorts of stupid crap happen. They took Aunt Jemima away. They took away the Washington Redskins. They toppled monuments everywhere. Uh, honestly, it's, it was all a giant joke. It was a giant joke. And let me explain why. Can I explain why? 
murder rate soared dramatically in cities after Black Lives Matter protests. With up to 6,000 extra deaths nationwide, massively outweighing the decline in police shootings, researchers say. All right, so Travis Campbell, an economics PhD candidate from the University of Massachusetts, did a study for Vox, okay? His analysis, which is undergoing peer review, found that cities with BLM protests had 15 to 20% fewer police homicides than expected in the protest if the protest had not taken place, equating to 300 fewer police killings nationwide over five years. In a revised, unpublished version shared with the Daily Mail, he found that cities with BLM protests saw a 10% increase in murders overall, equaling 1,000 to 6,000 additional murders nationwide. Campbell said his data suggests that BLM protests result in less police effort and less proactive policing, which could explain both the decrease in police killings and the overall increase in murders. Other researchers, including Deepak Prekumar, have also examined the increase in violent crime following protests over high-profile police killings, which they dubbed the Ferguson effect. But they're, they're peaceful protests. Guys, they're, they're peaceful protests. One to 6,000 people uh, die annually, uh, you know, because of it. They're still peaceful. They just are a little murdery. They're just a little murdery. This is a woman. She has a, a podcast. She's on social media. Has not been taken down. Her podcast is called "Burn It Down" with with Kim Brown. Um, she is so down with burning businesses and and looting. This woman should be uh, arrested. This woman should be taken off all social media platforms. For the record, I support all that. I support them looting the the damn Dollar Tree. I support the looting. Here's here's my suggestion. If you are down with people looting stores. During riots. Let's just make it all the time. Okay, Why should we wait for some sort of social movement, some sort of a police shooting uh, for, for the looting? Just allow people to break out windows of every freaking business in America, no matter when, and grab whatever you want because you are a member of a supposedly distressed group or oppressed group. So basically, black people should be able to do anytime they need anything. Just take a brick, break out a window, go take what you want. Why wait? Why cut out the middleman? Why wait? If you're cool with it happening during some supposed protests, then I would assume those people are still oppressed when the protest isn't happening. So just make it legal for oppressed people to bust out windows and steal whatever they want anytime. Because that's what you're saying. That's what you're saying, uh, uh, burn it down with Kim Brown. Of uh, what other shit did they loot? Uh, like, the, like the advanced auto parts? Um, I remember last year they t- looted Target. I support all that shit. Loot all that shit. Do you know why? Because black people and... Martin- the only people who would listen to her have to be dumber than her. I don't know how that's possible. ...and oppressed people could loot every store in this whole country for 200 years... It would not even come close to the debt that America owes us. Tell all that oh, America owes you nothing, you millennial little punk. Shut up. Tear it up. I don't owe you anything. Because really, that's the language. That's the only language this country understands. No, it doesn't. And, and I, would, I would actually encourage you to keep doing that uh, because uh, sooner or later, you're going to get arrested and you're going to get thrown in jail. And sooner or later, we won't have a doofus in the White House. We will have a strong Republican in the White House. And this, uh, this stuff will end. Here is Rob Schmidt talking to Peter King, 
about uh, black killing myths in the country. And it is a myth, the number of police shootings versus uh, the number of uh, murders by African-Americans uh, against one another is dramatically gigantic. There are 18, approximately 18 unarmed black people shot by, uh, by police every year in America. This doesn't mean they aren't trying to wrestle away the weapon of the police officer. This doesn't mean they are uh, attempting to tackle the officer or what. So it just means that they may, may not have had a gun on them. This may mean that they're driving away from a, a scene of a crime with a gun in the seat. All right. So the instance of you being murdered by a police officer, considering the number of interactions that happen every year, police with black people, it is minuscule. And this whole uh, police killing black people in mass is a lie. Peter King. Usually twice as many whites as blacks killed by cops, both armed and unarmed. And that's both in total numbers and in proportion to the uh, crimes committed. This is right. absolute disgrace. My father was NYPD for 30 years. Uh, he must be turning over his grave. I, I can't believe it. It's so bad. And the biggest victims of all this are the African-Americans. There's been a 100% increase in shootings yep. in New York over the last year and almost all of them have been blacks shot by blacks. That's that's what's so astounding is that, I mean, it, the numbers just go up and, and we're supposed to feel good about this. Like there's some kind of justice out of this. Uh, no. And it is an insult to those in history. What's really sad is that the esteem and the uh, self-esteem of African-Americans in this country has been so damaged that they won't look at those who did great that we can only imagine in history, I want you to think about this. Hank Aaron, Muhammad Ali, Maya Angelou, John Coltrane, Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, uh, George Washington Carver. Look at all the people in history who are absolute. Toni Morrison, look at uh, Nat Turner, uh, let's look Booker T. Washington, Harriet Tubman, forgot crying out loud, Malcolm X. These people breathe the rare air of incredible Social change, societal change, Jimi Hendrix, yes. And this, to say that this generation has no chance to do anything because of institutional racism is an insult to all the greatness that came before them. All of the suffering that they went through, all of the, the barricades up in front of their success, and yet they did it anyway. Ben Vereen, there you go. There's another, there, and not just entertainment. I mean, Oprah Winfrey, for crying out loud, yes, entertainment, but she is the perfect example of someone who came from nothing and became a billionaire and is loved. And I got to tell you, if it weren't for Oprah Winfrey having a lot of white women in the audience, her numbers would have never been anything. Her numbers would have never been anything without love from people across the board, including the larger portion of the audience, which just happened to be white. I'm just so done with this nonsense. And I'm not concerned about me. I'm concerned about my son. Because my son is 21 years old and my daughter is 16. And they're not white supremacists. And it's nonsense. And my son can't, say, can't even say, listen, half my friends are black. Oh, well, that still doesn't mean you're, white supre you're not white supremacist. Yeah, you know, I'm married to a, a black woman. No, you're still, you could be white supremacist. Well, I adopted some, uh, some black children. Well, you did that because you wanted to feel good about yourself, but you're still a white supremacist. That's where we are in the country right now, from some people. It's a very small minority of people with radical views, and we're getting fed up to hear with their, uh, let's say it again, nonsense. This is Heather McDonald talking to uh, Rob Schmidt about the myth of uh, police killing black people in mass and some real statistics. Pay attention, kids. It's science. 
The numbers say that it does not exist. The police go where the crime is. We have a crime problem in this country. We do not have a police problem. We have been talking about phantom police racism for the last three decades obsessively so as to continue turning our eyes away from the cultural breakdown that you so rightly spoke about, Rob. Uh, America does not want to confront... Was she just talking to me? ...dysfunction in the inner city black community. Okay, who's been saying this for 30 years? This guy! Here's some numbers. Uh, a, A much greater percentage of white and Hispanic homicide victims are killed by a cop than black homicide victims. 10% of all whites and Hispanics who die of homicide are killed by a cop compared to 3% of black homicide victims who are killed by a cop. Why? Because the number of black homicide victims each year is so huge that it dwarfs anything else. Blacks die of homicide at a rate 13 times that of whites. Did you just, look, let's listen to that again, kids. Joy Reid, if you're listening. That it dwarfs anything else. Blacks die of homicide at a rate 13 times that of whites. She's a racist and white supremacist for saying that. The rate of police shootings for unarmed blacks, there were 18 unarmed blacks killed last year by the police. Unarmed is defined very liberally. Listen carefully, kids. To mean going after an officer's gun or fleeing in a stolen car with a loaded handgun on the seat Mm -hmm. next to you, Mm -hmm. those 18 unarmed blacks represent 0.2% of all blacks who died of homicide last year and an infinitesimal amount of the 40 million blacks. The police could end all fatal shootings tomorrow. It would have no effect on the black homicide rate. This idea that blacks are being gunned down on a daily basis is an optical illusion created by the selectivity of the media. If the media covered, as Peter King says, twice as many whites are killed by the police as black as blacks. White lives don't matter. Do we have to say that? If the media covered the white victims of police shootings, which it will never do, the public would be under the impression that there was an epidemic of racially biased police shootings of whites. But it's okay that way. If white people, if whitey's getting killed, that's no big deal. No big deal at all because it is a giant uh, political movement. It is a lie. It's meant to cover up all of the societal ills that she just covered and also the failure of Democrat policy, which really ushered it in. It really did. Yeah, the, the, the great society destroyed the nuclear black family. It's really tragic because, as Ben Carson said on my show the other day, the family brought black people through slavery. The, the family brought people, black people through Jim Crow. And it was blown up. It was blown up by Democrat policy. That's what it's all about, kids. That's what it's all about. All right, let's move on. Did you realize that the, uh, the area where George Floyd lost his life, the square where it is, and this is a, this is a public street, by the way, in Minneapolis, Apparently, there's uh, been signs put up near the uh, the entrance to George Floyd Square in Minneapolis with separate rules for Whitey. Here is uh, Grant Stinchfield, who is white, by the way. But don't hate him. Don't hate him because he's white. Um, Grant Stinchfield talking about the idiotic and racist rules at George Floyd Plaza. All right, folks, I want you to take a look at one of the most racist and ridiculous things I have ever seen, okay? This is a sign outside George Floyd Square in Minneapolis. Just the name of the square makes me angry, but there's more to this, okay? 
This is a welcome sign for visitors there. Rules for white people. Pay attention, Whitey. Now, mind you, this is public property. They don't get to make the rules, but no. there they are anyway. There are the rules on the screen, okay? Decenter yourself. Remember, you are here to support, not be supported. Decenter yourself? What in the world is that, okay? Be I would say people that are, that are making the rules are pretty much centered around themselves. Mindful of whether your volume, pace, and movements are supporting or undermining your efforts to decenter yourself. <laughs> they were like me, I'm about as loud as it gets. Yes. In other words, what they're saying here is talking too loudly, hey Stinchfield, that's you. You're not in or church. maybe walking too proudly, uh-oh, there's another one for me. And way too white, last I checked I am, I guess I'm a racist. Yeah. And the racist dictators of George Floyd Square don't want me there. All right, here's another rule. Seek to contribute to the energy of the space rather than drain it. Wow, this is like classic, classic faculty lounge BS. Bring your own processing to other white folks so that you will not harm BIPOC. So I had to look up BIPOC. What in the world is that? By the way, apparently it stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. Oh, I thought it was Bipolar People of Color. Okay. They are literally segregating themselves here. Here's another rule. If you witness white folks doing problematic things because... All white people are problematic oh, yeah, in their big world. Time. Big time. As they ignore the BLM looters and rioters we've seen take hold of this nation, just saying. Here it goes on to say, speak up with compassion to take the burden off the black people. Oh, boy. Now, if I read this correctly. This is infantilizing black people, by the way. They're telling us black people cannot speak for themselves. Yes, this is infantilizing black people. They tried it with Asians after the shootings in Atlanta about a month ago. Uh, the, uh, Kamala Harris and uh, and uh, Joe Biden did that. But I think some Asian kids went home with that and their mom smacked them in the face. That's ridiculous. Said, get your butt to school and shut up. Imagine what would happen if there was a sign like that at a 9-11 memorial giving instructions to Muslims or a sign like that anywhere for black people. Good point. This is another autonomous zone, an occupation. My advice to all of them is this. Go occupy yourself a cubicle, okay? Please, get off the streets. Thank you very much. All right, move on. You're not wounded. You're not a victim. So tired of it. So tired of it. All right, so uh, John Bachman, uh, John Bachman now on Newsmax, talked to Bernie Carrick. Uh, used to be a police uh, commissioner in New York about LeBron James. Now, you, you didn't know this, but, the, you know, the, the police officer that killed the 16-year-old in uh, Columbus, he was targeted by LeBron James on Twitter. LeBron James said, basically, your time is coming. He put a little hourglass on it, basically threatening his life. Hopefully, this guy will sue LeBron James for about $100 million of his $500 million fortune. And do, don't you feel sorry for LeBron James? Only a half a billion dollars. Only a half a billion dollars. Here is John Bachman talking to Bernie Carrick. Well, what he did, it was a terroristic threat. And why Twitter allows his account, account the Twitter account, to remain open, I don't know. But I want to go back. Because they're Twitter and they're a leftist organization that booted President Trump off. Back, and I want to touch on the president's press secretary, who made two statements, um, one of which is extremely disturbing, that blacks and people of color are, uh, you know, attacked or shot by police at much higher rates than anyone else. And Didn't we just disprove that? That's an outright lie. Right. That is a lie. The 2020 statistics show unarmed blacks and 
armed blacks, fatalities, police fatal shootings, um, whites are shot at a much higher rate than blacks. So they got to stop lying. They have to right. stop telling the general public this lie because they, they incite, they antagonize, they instigate. And the fact that she was defending this young girl, this 16-year-old girl, with a six-inch bladed knife, she's a thug. She was going to stab to death the other girl. Don't don't victimize the thugs and villainize the cops. Thank you very much. And sooner or later, the lie is going to just wear so thin that it stops, but not before a lot more destruction is caused and a lot more deaths are caused and a lot more people's careers are ruined because they said the wrong word. You know, things like that. Here, this is kind of cool. In, in the state of Florida, they passed an anti-rioting bill. They did. And so uh, here is uh, Chris Salcedo talking to Mark Meckler about uh, the anti-riot bill signed into law in Florida, which will stop this crap from happening. There is an excuse. I look at Ron DeSantis and I see America's governor. I wish he was the governor of all of America. Like I'm from Texas. We're not seeing measures like this where it is unequivocal in Florida that the governor and the government generally will clamp down on rioters. You riot, you do damage, you do violence. You're going to pay for that. When I see those the picture of those folks going into the Oklahoma legislature, it's as much of an insurrection as anything we saw at the United States Capitol. It's outrageous. The Democrats are pursuing mob rule, and this is a very dangerous thing all across the country right now. It is. And By the way, um, Black Lives protesters invaded the uh, Oklahoma chamber, um, their House chamber, and uh, and caused an insurgency. And I would assume that the FBI is going to go after all of these people, keep them locked up uh, like they have the uh, the January 6th protesters in the United States Capitol. No, they won't. In that, in that vein, reminiscent of... By the way, Oklahoma made it uh, okay that if you are having your car attacked by Black Lives Matter or Antifa and you run over somebody, you can't be held liable. KKK and the Democrat Jim Crow South, the Democrat socialist Maxine Waters captured on video inciting violence to put pressure on jurors in the Derek Chauvin case, yet the Democrats supported and protected her. And the best the GOP came up with was censure, not impeachment. What message are they sending? I think that the Republicans are sending a message that they're weak on this stuff. Again, I think the only person really truly leading the way on this is is Ron DeSantis, he's making very strong statements and the legislature there is taking very strong action. Maxine Waters is a disgrace to the United States Congress. She should be removed from her seat. She absolutely was fomenting violence. She was fomenting the idea of mob rule. In other words, her goal in being there in Minneapolis, not her state, the goal was to cause the jury to rule in a particular way. That's been the goal of the Democrats all year long before this trial. I think the results of this trial, unfortunately, it's sad, but they're going to be overturned because, again, this was not rule of law. This was mob justice. This is what happens when you throw a uh, temper tantrum, you know, a lot of the times. Did you realize, I mean, I know you look to use this analogy, the current generation, the reason why the candy aisle in the uh, checkout at the grocery store was created was because parents couldn't say no to their children who would throw temper tantrums. This came around, you know, in the after I grew up uh, out of childhood because, you see, the thing, what happens, if we're in, a, in the a grocery aisle and I'd say to my mom, I want a Snicker bar, she'd say, no, you're not getting a Snicker bar. You're not getting it. No, no. But unfortunately, this current generation is used to getting everything they want. And now they just want to take, and now they just want to steal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Greg Kelly. Now, this is this is on the heels of that Greg Kelly talking with uh, Alan Dershowitz. Alan Dershowitz about the Chauvin judge actually admitting that the jury has been impacted, particularly by Maxine Waters, and how all you're protesting, all you're marching around, and you're stomping around, and you're burning stuff and killing people and stuff that's been supported by the Democrat Party could actually have screwed yourselves because Derek Chauvin could walk. Now that we have U.S. representatives uh, threatening acts of, of, uh, of violence in relation to this specific case, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling to me, Judge. Well, I'll give you that Congresswoman Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. Alan Dershowitz, professor emeritus at the Harvard Law School and author of a great book, uh, Guilt by Accusation, which I understand, Judge, Professor, very unusual or not so unusual for the judge to say that out loud, and whether it is or not, he's on to something, right? Oh, he is. Look, I've done 250 appeals over a 50-year career. I don't think I've ever remembered a judge giving me an appellate issue, telling me you have an appellate issue. Uh, if I were writing the brief in this case on appeal, it would start with the judge's comment. And it would then say, look, every mayor in the city, every police chief, the president of the United States all understood that if there was a verdict less than first, less than murder in this case, if there were only a manslaughter verdict or an acquittal, there would be violence in the streets. And if every mayor and every police chief and the president knew it, how can the jurors not know it? They were not sequestered. And so the jurors went to deliberate knowing that their verdict would determine whether or not their homes were safe, their businesses were safe, their schools were safe, their children were safe, their family was safe. No jury should ever have to deliberate with that heavy thumb of violence on the scale of justice. So I think this case should be reversed for a new trial. There you go. And all the marching around and all the stomping around and all the temper tantrum and all the burning and the looting and the murdering and all that stuff uh, were for naught. You spoiled little children. Uh, you could have actually just hosed yourself. Here's a little bit more from Alan Dershowitz speaking with Greg Kelly about literally on the day of the announcement of the verdicts, Joe Biden praying for a guilty verdict. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered. The president of the United States praying for a guilty verdict. Now, not hear me say that. All right, it's hard to make him out. He's kind of mumbling there, but he's praying for the right verdict. He thinks the evidence is overwhelming. He gave himself a way out. Well, they've already been sequestered, so they're not going to hear this. Uh, do you buy that? Does that hold weight? Yeah. yeah. No, I think the fact that he waited until the jury was sequestered is very, very important. This jury should have been sequestered from day one. Of mm -hmm. course, he was praying for the right verdict. Every mayor was praying for the right verdict. Every police chief. Everybody knew that if there were an acquittal, or a conviction only on manslaughter, the cities would burn. And when you have everybody praying and cheering and hoping for a verdict, the jurors are in a position where they have to come back with that verdict. They don't want their names to become mud. Look up that name, you'll understand why. Remember that they have to go home to their families. They live in Minneapolis. This case should never have been tried in Minneapolis. It could never be tried. Spelled M-U-D-D, by the way. In April, but it could have been July and it should never have been tried with an unsequestered jury. And I think there should be a new trial at which you can present the evidence, but to a jury that doesn't have outside influences affecting its judgment of the law and the facts. Yeah. And is this the country you want to live in? Is it? I mean, if you're a leftist, oh, hell yeah. But I don't want to live in this country. 
mob rule, mob justice, ruling against the American people via executive fiat, lying about what you are going to do in office, immediately reversing course from your campaign promises. I'm done with it. Honestly, just done with it. Here's something kind of cool. I love uh, Sebastian Gorka. We're going to have him on the uh, on the show next week. He was talking to Grant Stinchfield about the uh, the decline, the implosion of Fox News and the growth of this glorious network, Newsmax. Look, the, the China stuff is fascinating, but I don't think we even have to go there. It, it's much simpler. Full disclosure, I was a Fox contributor before I joined the Trump administration. I was a Fox contributor when I left the White House. But things started to change as soon as, as Rupert's son took over, who we know is a complete Manhattan liberal. As soon as Paul Ryan, ultimate swamp creature, was invited onto the board. I really love his voice. Fox. People like me weren't doing five or six hits a week. We were doing one. And guess which one I was doing every week? Lou Dobbs, okay? Because Lou Dobbs is a truth teller. The closer you were to America first, the closer you were to MAGA, if you worked as a former deputy to President Trump, you were put on a blacklist. And God bless Lou Dobbs. He's a great patriot. Kudos to Eric to getting him on his show. But the fact is, Read the comments on social media. Look at what conservatives are saying about Fox News. Lou Dobbs had the most popular show on Fox Business, and they fired him. These people are insane. And what's happening? Newsmax is crushing it. You included, Grant. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll just go ahead and shamelessly plug my show this weekend, which is called Rob Carson's What in the World on 9 o'clock tomorrow night, Eastern Standard Time, Saturday night, and then on Sunday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't miss it. Set your DVR. Okay, so the Oscars are this weekend, if you know this. And uh, Hollywood insider and conservative writer for The Daily Wire, Christian Toto, has a uh, website that's called Hollywood in Toto. Let's give him a call, get his thoughts. Get him on the line here. Hello. So this weekend is the uh, is the Oscars, and uh, it's uh, going to be odd again this year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I had mentioned the last time we spoke is that this is the first year I don't know any of the movies. <laughs> No, because yeah, well, you're not alone. So I, I just I, badly. I miss I miss going to the movies, Christian. I like going to the movies. When I go see a blockbuster, I go see it on on blockbuster opening weekend. That's I, that's the experience I like, and I hope that comes back because I think it's going to really impact the Oscars audience. Your thoughts? Oh gosh, yeah. I mean, everyone is predicting the the ratings will crash. They've been going down most every year. It might have been a hiccup a year or two ago where they didn't they didn't they didn't plummet, but that's what's expected. We've seen other award shows suffer pretty rough ratings drops um, across the board: Grammys, Golden Globes. So this will be no different. But the problem is, you know, at least with the Grammys, you're talking about a lot of popular music with acts that people know and, yeah. and maybe love. Here, it's a lot of titles people are not familiar with. And the irony is that a lot of these titles are available on streaming. Some are on Netflix, some are on Hulu, some Amazon Prime. So I think the there's no excuse to have missed them. It's just that most people have missed them, and for a variety of reasons. Well, a lot of it has to do with you don't see TV commercials on about them. You don't uh, you don't get the buzz. You know, I worked in music radio for a number of years, and every Monday we would talk about the movie uh, turnout this weekend. My gosh, can you believe that it had a forty-seven or one hundred fifty million dollar opening? And we don't have that. We don't get that information on Monday anymore. Yeah, there's, there's a whole culture that has been around movies forever is gone because of the pandemic, mostly. And also, listen, a lot of original entertainment is debuting 
is made for streaming platforms like Netflix. So it's not going to have the theatrical release. It's not going to have that certain special feeling of going to a theater. It's going to be at your home. You know, we've seen The Irishman, was was the, uh, the, the Martin Scorsese film. Yeah. Other films this year, like Mank, uh, you know, are falling to that category. Things are changing, it, and it makes the Oscar night feel less special. And there's lots of other reasons why these Oscar telecasts are just a, a drudgery to watch. Yeah. Uh, but that's one of them. It just doesn't feel that the magic is missing. Well, I saw a uh, piece that said a minute-by-minute post-show ratings analysis shows that vast swaths of people simply turn off the TV once politics comes up during the Oscars. And it looks like this year they're really going to give them uh, the sway to say as much as they want. They're getting rid of the 45-second limit, I guess. It's amazing. And, you know, that little <laughs> bit of information, I had read a couple of years ago. The yeah. New York Times reported it, and I think that they re-reported this year. So I don't know whether it was two separate incidents or just kind of regurgitating what was said before. But yeah. imagine you run that show and you realize that as soon as you get political, people tune out in great numbers. And then you keep on keeping on. I don't think there's any sort of message out to the, the honorees, the presenters, the winners saying, hey, Guys and gals, can you just cool on the politics? You know, thank your mom, thank your agent, yes. thank whoever. But yes. can you just, just, we don't want to chase people away. So either that message has been shared and ignored, or I would imagine that the message isn't really shared at all. I think they just say, we're going to do what we want to do, and we don't really care that the ratings fall, because it's, that's, I'm kind of judging them based on what we see. I uh, I don't get it. You, you look at the, the numbers for basketball. You look at the numbers for football. You look at the numbers for baseball. Baseball really, I think, kind of uh, uh, screwed the pooch by moving the Major League, uh, the All-Star game out of the city. It, it's interesting, out of Atlanta, uh, it's interesting because, you know, baseball is an American, an American experience that is run by a monopoly. And that monopoly has decided to take its politics in a certain direction and eschew the other half of the population. We all know that Hollywood is left of center. <laughs> we all do. But honestly, as Ricky Gervais said, wasn't it during the Golden Globes? He says, nobody cares what you think. Nobody cares what you think. Get your stupid award. Thank your God and get off stage. Because <laughs> it's going yeah. to be the same thing. It's going to be the same thing from everybody. And it'll all be about, about Derek Chauvin this year, I'll bet. What's interesting is that I, in the last couple of years, I've read that the Oscars play out almost like a parody of what what you know what a uh, a mainstream conservative would expect from the Oscars. Like it, it just it rolls out exactly as you anticipated, and I don't think this will be any different. Like you say, with the speeches being longer and everything's a hot button issue. But you know what's interesting, and I wrote about this on my website. What are you not going to hear this weekend? You're not going to hear about kids in cages because that would reflect poorly on President Biden. Yes, yes, You're not going to yes. hear about you know censorship in China. Uh, actually, one, the the movie that's the front runner is directed by an Asian American. Uh, the movie's Nomad Lad. It's actually rather good. It's on Hulu right now. And uh, she said something a little critical of China. Oh gosh, maybe a decade or so ago. So she's you know feeling pressure for that. And you think that maybe the artist would rally around her saying, listen, we believe in free speech. You can criticize a country, your country, another country. That's fine. But they're not going to do that because they're afraid of China. And they've been kowtowing <laughs> to China forever now because they want that theatrical uh, money that they get from releasing American films in China. Unbelievable. This year's ceremony will take place April 25th at a multiple of locations. The Art Deco Union Station in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, the second location will be the home of the Oscars, the Dolby Theater in Hollywood. And I believe at a home homeless shelter. I think the third location is going to be uh, Skid Row, a bunch of tents. I'm, I'm, I, that's just a rumor, though. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, I might tune in for that, to see the 
the disparity of all these people which virtue is, signaling while their city burns. Which is actually half of the city. <laughs> if you've been to L.A. recently, it's gotten it's gotten pretty bad. Um, I'll just ask you, I mean, is there a movie that you're intrigued by that you really like? You know, give me a couple of your favorite flicks of the year that you absolutely loved. And then I'd like also your opinion on uh, best foreign language documentary. No, I'm actually I don't want that. Just the, just the, <laughs> just the best pictures and actors and actresses. I thought it was a weak year. Uh, obviously, the pandemic played a part in that, so I can't really slam Hollywood completely. And everyone's sort of scrambling. I really like Nomadland. I thought The Promising Young Woman is getting a lot of buzz. I think it's overrated, but I think Carrie Mulligan is quite good in it. And I think it, it ends in a very strong fashion, which I think a lot of, even a lot of good films, sometimes kind of don't stick the landing. So that one is one to look for. I, I think both of those movies will get some Oscars this weekend. Uh, yeah, I just, it's not a year that I feel a lot of passionate about. And it sounds like a lot of the like, categories are already locks. Uh, the late Chadwick Boseman um, is, looks, looks like the lock for best actor, in part because he's a very good actor, but also he passed away recently. Which yeah. One of the more stunning uh, deaths in Hollywood I, I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah. So, you know, that seems like a, a done deal as far as, you know, him winning posthumously. Uh, Nomadland is the, is the heavy favorite for Best Picture. Uh, Chloe Zhao, I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, is, is the director there. I think she's going to win as well. So part of the reason why the Oscars are dull these days is because there's a, a zillion other award shows prior and if an actor or a director wins most of the awards, then he or she is probably going to win the Oscar. So a lot of the mystery and a lot of suspense kind of goes out the window. Again, not the Oscars' fault. It's just the way the landscape works. Yeah, I've got kids, so uh, I can go ahead and chime in on best animated movie. It will be Soul. It will be Disney Soul. I'll just I'll play. I'll bet a stake on it. It's that's going to win. That's going to win. Uh, also, yeah. let me ask you about Sound of Metal as well. I, Sound of Metal looks interesting. It's about a drummer who's going deaf. You know, I didn't see it, but all the reviews are excellent. It is on Amazon Prime right now. Gotcha. And I, yeah, it feels like a genuinely fresh story. And I, you know, for all of Hollywood reboots and remakes and reimaginings, it, it is refreshing to see something that's sort of unconventional. But uh, that one looks very interesting and good performances. And, and again, I, I sort of a look at the culture in a way that I don't think people get this chance. And I think that's why Nomadland is so interesting, because it's another looking at a culture, these people who kind of wander the country, living on their own, uh, kind of disconnected, off the grid. And I think it did it in a way that was both interesting and compassionate. So I, I, I think for those reasons and many more, I think it's going to win. All right. Well, Christian Dodo, I greatly appreciate you having you on for your insights and all of that. And oh, one thing I wanted to mention, did you see... The video that Elton John, Sir Elton John and his partner, uh, they have put out. They're going to do an Oscar watching party that you can you can uh, become a part of. I think I might actually watch that. Have you seen that yet? It's on the I, it's on the UK Daily Mail. If you get a chance to see, it is absolutely hilarious. You know, I think that sounds far more engaging and interesting and unpredictable than the actual Oscars, which I am dreading. I, I just would rather, rather watch it with anything else. Maybe a test pattern in the Oscars, so good for Elton John. All right, have a good one. And where can people find you on the interweb? My website is hollywoodintoto.com, and also I contribute quite a bit at The Daily Wire. Perfect, thanks. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, so that's uh, Christian Toto. Love uh, Christian Toto. Um, the time is waning for this Friday edition of the Newsmax Daily with me, Rob Carson. I want to close with Courtney Ann Taylor. She's a mother in Georgia, and she's tired of her little children having to wear stupid masks in school. And they are stupid. Uh, for kids, there's no uh, real transmission of the virus in schools. There are a lot of teachers and teachers' unions that are sitting on their behinds at home in their pajamas, and they're perfectly fine with your children not being educated. There are good teachers out there who are in class, like my kids' teachers. And she's 
tired of their her children having to wear these masks, live in this dystopian time, because this will affect them in unbelievable ways in their future. Can you imagine being six or four and being told that there is a deadly virus that could kill you unless you wear a mask at all times? Here she is, Courtney Ann Taylor, which I consider to be one of the best speeches of the year in front of her school board. Listen to this woman because she's amazing. Every month I come here and I hear the same thing, social emotional health. If you truly mean that, you would end the mask requirement tonight. Tonight. This is not March 2020 anymore. We have three vaccines. Every adult in the state of Georgia that wants that vaccine is eligible to get it right now. And every one of us knows that young children are not affected by this virus. They're not. And that's a blessing. But as the adults, what have we done with that blessing? We've shoved it to the side and we've said, we don't care. You're still going to wear a mask on your face every day, five and six-year-olds. You still can't play together on the playground like normal children, seven and eight-year-olds. We don't care. We're still going to force you to carry a burden that was never yours to carry. Shame on us. Wow. My six-year-old looks at me every month before I come here and she says, are you going to tell them tonight? Tell them I don't want to wear this anymore. And I say, baby, it's not time to fight that battle yet. I try to explain that there's so many things, but it's April 15th, 2021, and it's time. Take these masks off of my child. Yes. And I know what I'm going to be met with. But Ms. Taylor, the CDC, we did not vote for people at the CDC. We did elect leaders who do create policy. We elected the five of you. We chose you to make difficult decisions for our children. We chose you to make decisions that would be in our children's best interest and forcing five, six, seven, eight, and nine-year-old little children to cover their noses and their mouths where they breathe for seven hours a day, every day for the last nine months for a virus that you know doesn't affect them. That is not in their best interest. And this has to stop. Defend our children. My six-year-old can't come up here and say this. It has to stop. Take these off of our children. Wow. Wow. Courtney Ann Taylor. Unbelievable. Bravo. You are what America is about. You are amazing. You just made everybody on that board look like a bunch of idiots. You made all the politicians in Washington, D.C. look like complete scumbags. Well, they already are, actually. Most of them. Guys, I want to thank you very much for listening all this week. This is the fifth week we are now on in 32 countries, ladies and gentlemen. The Newsmax Daily with this guy, Rob Carson. If you want to uh, download the app, Newsmax.com, or I should say just Newsmax on your cellular telephonic device. If you want to go and find out where the listings are, all of the shows and when they run, NewsmaxTV.com. And if you want to check out this podcast and all the digital platforms that it's on, NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts. Also, I have a a channel on Rumble, Rumble.com. Rob Carson show is what that's on. But anyway, guys, have a glorious, glorious weekend. Enjoy the time with your family. God bless you. God bless you, America. I'll see you Monday, and you'll hear me then. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details. Thank you.